The future of personalised healthcare. Dr Julie Barnes, Chief Executive of Abcodia, thank you for talking to the Centre for Entrepreneurial Learnings, Entrepreneurs and Experts podcast series today. Hello, good morning. As someone with extensive commercial and scientific experience in the life science sector and in early stage businesses, can you briefly describe how your career has evolved? You did a PhD in neuroscience, you worked for Glaxo, you were at the forefront of drug discovery, a 15-year passion for neuroscience, your CV says. So perhaps you could talk us through it. Well, indeed, yes. I'm a scientist at heart and and always will be. I spent those first 15 years in the industry, partly because I always wanted to do applied research on the back of my training. And, And that was a great apprenticeship. It gave me the experience of doing research in a context of patient benefit ultimately, driving drug discovery programs forward in the neuroscience area. I learned a lot from teams that I worked with and that was a really great phase of my career. I then got a little bit hungry for doing biotech and doing something a little bit more entrepreneurial and I jumped into a very innovative company that was capitalizing on electronic information and the whole sea of emerging information feeds from literature, the massive data coming from genome science work etc. And we packaged up information in rather innovative ways with an applications in mind for the industry and in particular the safety sciences trying to help you used information in a much more efficient way for the benefit of assessing drug safety liability. And working in that company was a fantastic experience for 10 years. I was on the board, I had a team of scientists, and it gave me the experience of what it was really like to drive a small business forward from the perspective of raising money and supporting the chief executive in raising the finance, understanding how a board operated, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a really great phase. And it certainly gave me the confidence and the experience to then jump into the current role that I'm in now, which is running up which is a company that is focusing on development of innovative tests for the early diagnosis of cancer and cancer screening. Well, we'll come on to sweeping the 2012 awards with Abcodia, including winning the, the 2012 Business Woman of the Year Award in a minute. But you've just described your career. It's spanned a long time in the biosciences, hasn't it? What changes have you seen in the life science industry over that time, particularly as you did a PhD in neuroscience when it wasn't fashionable? to do PhDs in neuroscience then? Well, the changes, I think, have been extraordinary. And of what, the span of 25 years? When I joined the industry after my PhD, it was really all about understanding mechanisms of disease from animal studies and then translating those findings into human biology. And that was very risky. Clearly now, it's all about understanding disease from a molecular starting point, from understanding the genome and the proteome. And obviously what's emerging from that is obviously the very exciting molecular medicines that we're now seeing on the market. So that's the first, I suppose, major change there. So an incredible period of change. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I don't think we would have realised the progress that we could have made from the molecular side over the years. I think the other piece for me that's changing and will continue to change, I hope, is the emergence of preventative medicine. So this is, you know, managing um, and something that I'm particularly interested in. And I suppose one example would be the cholesterol-lowering medicines that are now available, all based on understanding that if you have high cholesterol, they can have long-term morbidity 
problems. And obviously, you know, then treating that high cholesterol to limit those long-term problems over your lifespan. I think that's a very important. So preventative health care, I think, is an emerging science. Now, I think the final point would be the way that the industry works. Large industry, smaller companies and academics, and how they now operate in a much more open culture. And harnessing the best of the large and the, the powerhouse of the large with the flexibility of the small and the strength of the academic specialism. And I think that's a fantastic advance. And it's something that I've certainly embraced and valued in running Abcodia. And just tell us about those awards with Abcodia. You won three, didn't you? We did, we did. It was a late stage application from my investor who kindly put an award submission in for us. And uh, yes, we won the most innovative company. I think based on the science that we're doing, we also won the award for the, the best VC-backed company where they were, I think, looking for you know value created from an investment. There was a Business Woman of the Year award, which was given to me, which was rather nice. And then obviously we were the overall winners. And I, I think it was the mix of doing something that really mattered, cancer screening, cancer affects everybody, but also the opportunity for the business to be a commercial global business that I think was the appealing piece. If we just reflect for a moment, the progression in Abcode in your company came about as a result of a, a personal tragedy, the death of your mother, and serendipity, if you like. You, you met a Professor Jacobs then of the University College London. I did, yes. And I suppose that the loss of my mother when I was 19 was a major event in my life that does affect one. And it's always been a passion to try and respond to that in some way. And I've never really understood how, but one does over time. And I think this is a great opportunity to make that difference. After doing the 10 years in biotech in Cambridge and meeting Professor Jacobs, it was very clear that what he had built up through his clinical trial in ovarian cancer screening was a great opportunity to to realise value in terms of early diagnostics. There's a very large biobank that has amassed samples from 200,000 women who've consented for those samples to be used for ethical research. And through partnership with UCL, we formed this company, which is a spin-out from UCL. We've raised some investment, and now we are conducting, in partnership with global companies and academic groups, experiments using those longitudinal samples donated by those women for the discovery and development of new screening biomarkers. If we took your career from the past to the future, how do you see the sector changing over the foreseeable future, especially in the area of personalised healthcare? They talk about personalised drugs, knowing your own health history in the future. Well, I think the next phase of development for me is going to be much more about individual choice. And and rather than just understanding or or managing disease, it's much more about managing health. I I really like to think this really takes the front of healthcare for the future. What the last decade has told us is that we're all very different. We're all different in, in our individual risks for disease, our expression of disease and our response to treatment. Uh, of that disease and this can only be good in terms of ensuring optimal health care for all of us obviously with the benefit of the economics of the healthcare as well. And, and then in that case are we talking about new approaches are these going to change people's lives different drugs treatments for diseases that were previously there were no treatments for how is it all going to open up? Well I think all of the above I think we're going to continue to advance molecular treatments based on personalised profiles. But I think the other major advance for me is is this phase of disease, which we don't know about. It's almost a bit 
like an iceberg. You know, at the moment we're treating the, the bit at the top that we can see that's poking out of the sea, but actually underneath you've got this mass of chronic disease developing and cancer would be classic. I remember only recently reading a paper from Bert Vogelstein, who is you know a global name in cancer field, and, and he reminded us of this in that article that you know a cancer can last for 10 to 20 years and 90% of that time we just don't know it. And we focus obviously on the last 10% once symptoms have shown and I think we've really got to get to the the piece underneath that really by understanding risk and looking at the way people live uh, and you know through the developments of technology molecular technology imaging technology that helps us to see what we cannot currently see. And so therefore we're asking you to see if you like into the future and and you have already alluded to how practitioners and academics are working more closely together in smaller units now than when you first started your career. But how do entrepreneurs embrace change? I mean, the the pace of change is going to be quite daunting. Is it on your personal reputations that that people get together and and decide, well, this company is going to work with this academic? Or can you just have people springing up with new beginnings, not being known, who form new relationships? Does the past matter? I think you can have both. I think I've obviously come to running a company quite late in my career after 25 years of learning and experience and of working with other people. And even now, I am really grateful for working in Abcodia with a range of different expertises from my own. So I think, you know, for any entrepreneur who wants to succeed, I think it's understanding your strengths and weaknesses, certainly networking and working with other people and being brave and accepting and, and, and finding people who can help you advance your ideas forward. Let's just move on now to a question about links between academic groups and commercial companies and patient data does that give rise to concern in any way not for me there are some very strong rules that you have to abide by when you're using data and information or samples in in our case that have been donated from individuals and i think if you stick to those rules then you're operating within the the legal framework i've always been a very strong advocate for the partnership between academia and and industry i don't believe that any one group can really reach the same ultimate benefit of benefiting patients unless they work together. The the strength of the academic science with the translational capability of the industry, I think, is absolutely critical to harness. And you are an advocate for those collaborations. Absolutely. And Abcodu is fundamentally founded on those basic principles. And I think, again, the collaboration and working with the various bodies that will approve experimentation. I think there's a real major change here. So respecting the divides between the two groups, understanding the reciprocality of where they can work together, but also the difference of when they should stay apart. Yes, exactly. I'm also a big fan of the integration of academic with the commercial world because there is such a lot of brilliant science in academia but a lot of that never translates to the good of patients because open publications it's not protected and if it's not protected the industry can't then capitalize on that invest in it further recoup that investment and actually result in patient benefit through true product development so you know I'm a big fan of 
academic and industry partnerships to really harness the value of both. What skills will entrepreneurs need to develop to stay ahead of the game in the future? I suppose the right team and, and recruitment is important. It is. Working with the right people, working with good people. Entrepreneurs are naturally inquisitive and I've always felt the need to work with people who, are, who understand things and can give me a different perspective because otherwise it's a bit of a lonely game. So I think, yes, partnership, collaboration, teamwork, constant challenge of each other, I think, is also very important. And, and never being too fixed. You know, there's no business plan in this world that we'll ever realise. It will always change. And understanding that, that change to be successful, I think, is part of the piece. The future of personalised healthcare. Anything else in your sights that you'd like to achieve in your career? I'd like to make Abcodia an exemplary company from both the perspective of delivering good to patients, but also for the benefit of the economy. I'd like it to be an exemplary company from the perspective of translating good science into commercial value. I don't have any other objectives from this point. I want to do that. That's going to be a, a number of years before we really have re realised that success. And, and that's, that's what I'm focusing on at the moment. Well, congratulations. You seem well on the way to achieving that. Dr Julie Barnes, Chief Executive Officer of Abcodia, thank you for talking to the Centre for Entrepreneurial Learning's Entrepreneurs and Experts podcast series today, The Future of Personalised Healthcare. Thank you very much. 